Hello everyone and welcome to What Gets You Cooking, the podcast giving you a new way to look at food, the way we cook it and share it. This is Virginie, your host, and today my guest is Alison Montford from Ends and Stands. She's going to give us her perspective on food in this episode. Alison launched Ends and Stands last year, a meal planning program to help families enjoy cooking dinner and reduce waste because 40% of all our food produced in the U.S. is wasted, but your biggest stress is deciding what to cook tonight. Hello and welcome, Alison. Thank you. Hi, Virginie. Thank you for having me. So the first I heard about you was last fall on a Facebook group when you were just about to launch Ends and Stems. Can you tell us more about how, what gets you started and interested in food? Wow. Um, I have to go all the way back to my childhood for that one. Um, it was always, <laughs> it, it just was always in my house. My grandpa was a great cook. My mom was really into baking and, you know, I was growing up in the eighties and nineties and she was making those giant, um, like shaped cakes. So she'd make cakes like in the shape of a tennis racket or one time she made a, like a paintball course for my brother for his birthday. So oh, wow. she was always just experimenting with, with these grand creations and she never sold them. It was never a business, but we used to have, you know how in your refrigerator, a lot of people will have like, here's the produce drawer or the cheese drawer. We actually had a whole section in the refrigerator that was just the icing shelf and it had different colors and textures and styles of icing so that if she needed to suddenly make a cake one day, we had all the materials. So that was just always the sort of the vibe in my house. My brother and I were always encouraged to play with food and, and get in there and create. And then um, when I was in high school, the Food Network started getting really big and I would watch and watch and um, I was sort of artistic also and the two just kind of went together for me so as I had to figure out what to do with my life and how to choose a career I took the age-old advice of making your hobby your career and I went into food after you know I, I went to college and was an anthropology major so that didn't lead to a career and um, I heard about being a personal chef and loved the idea and the challenge of being a business owner and putting the you know the pieces together and building a business and I made my business in food because that was the that was the creative outlet that I wanted so those two pieces seemed to really fulfill what I was looking to do um, and ends and stems is technically my I guess, depending on how you count, maybe my second or definitely my second, maybe my third business uh, over the years. My first business was a personal chef and catering business that had a cafe. And I sold that at the end of 2015. All right. Well, you've been uh, you've been around and being a chef for what, 15 years now? Yeah, 15 years. It's crazy. So, that's great to be able to uh, to benefit and to give all of that knowledge to uh, every family around here. Yeah, you know, it's. I feel like as I um, as I was trying to build this business, and you know, selling my first business and and really closing it down in a way because it's not like somebody's operating it now. It was you know sort of sold for parts. Um, I felt like I wasn't sure if I was giving up or if I if it meant anything or you know I worked so hard for 10 years on that business and now it's just gone. So I had a, a lot of conflict around it and I I felt kind of insecure that 
I hadn't, it didn't matter. But what I can see now with some space in between that process and starting this business, which I'm so excited about, is that it was experience and knowledge and hands-on. And I've cooked meals for, for thousands and thousands of people and you know, millions of dollars worth of food I've cooked and sold to people. And I wouldn't be able to do what I'm doing now without that experience and without that path behind me. So it sort of only makes sense in hindsight, um, you know, where every step along the way has come from, but I've been able to see that it matters, you know, and, and sort of take pride in what I did before and, and all the decisions, even selling a business was actually, um, a cool experience just to learn about the life cycle of business too. Yeah, absolutely. And that must have changed your perspective maybe on food or, or cooking a little bit from when, you it know, has. you were studying anthropology to mm -hmm. a personal chef to now helping people prepare their meals. How you do know you know what's it now? I think that my um, like ideal meal and ideal cooking process has actually become simplified over the years. So I think at the beginning when you're young and, you know, trying to break into the food industry and you see people doing all these crazy and, you know, um, exploratory things or putting dishes together that you've never heard of. And like, you have this sense that somehow you have to like break the mold or be as innovative as they are. And I've actually gone in the other direction where the food that I'm really interested in now and the food that I'd rather eat now is much more simple. Um, it's more the old old school grandma cooking. Um, if you could make an amazing dinner with six ingredients, I'm way more interested in that and helping people prepare something simple and beautiful and wholesome, but without a lot of the, uh, the, you know, sort of the barrier breaking, uh, competitive, like artistic side of things. Um, I think that food has a place, but that's not my world of food. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. And that's, you know, what, what I'm trying to do with this podcast as well is to make it more simple so people can understand that it doesn't have to be super right. fancy every night. It doesn't have to be complicated with a million ingredients right. and hours of cooking. <clears throat> so yeah, yeah I agree. If you, can, if you can do some things in advance and simplify some techniques, um, I feel like if you're, you know, if you're in the mood for something, you know, barrier breaking and innovative, you know, that's, that's maybe what restaurants are still for. And you can go out for those. And, you know, there's always going to be these, these wild chefs that are doing brand new things and just always pushing the limits. But what well, I'm really interested in this realm of getting, um, and maybe also having kids and seeing them eat and introducing them to a variety of ingredients and, and dinners and things. Um, you know, I think that also encourages me to simplify things down now and, um, you know, getting families cooking and doing that process together is just easier when your grocery list for the week only contains 20 or 25 items and, you know, you can make five different meals from that. Um, so I'm, I'm really enjoying my, my new business in helping people feel confident in cooking at home and, um, you know, and seeing that it can be simple. The flavors can be simple and the ingredients can be simple too. Yeah, absolutely. So what gets you cooking? What's your inspiration of the moment? It's funny. I have two different answers to that question because as a professional chef, um, I think it's really true. The old adage of, you know, the cobbler's kids have no shoes. 
So it's, I cook all day, every day. I sit here and I write recipes and I'm currently in the process of um, writing 42 different recipes that I will then have to go and test. And, you know, we were just talking about how I did a big photo shoot for these 42 different recipes. So I'm so immersed in it all day long that at the end of the day, when my family needs to eat, um, I'm tired and that Mm -hmm. is not what inspires me to cook. So there are two sides of me for sure. There is the side that's, you know, so interested in, in putting together um, recipes from ingredients I've seen at the farmer's market or, you know, it just turned spring. So asparagus and peas are looking beautiful. And I just had pea shoots the other day and they're so crunchy and delicious and fresh. Um, we're going to see strawberries and blueberries soon. So mm-hmm. as a chef, I want to get my hands on those and create beautiful recipes and, you know, find different ways to eat these ingredients. Um, but I think as a business owner and as a mom and somebody who, you know, at the end of the day is just tired and hungry and needs to tick a box, um, you know, I'm looking for something really, really simple. So it's uh, depending on the day and the time of day, it's either um, ingredients that get me inspired or, you know, just really the simple process of doing all the steps from, you know, washing the strawberries to slicing them carefully and putting them on a plate. That that process is inspirational and fun. But then on the other hand, there is really the, you know, what can I, last night I made scrambled egg tacos. It's one of my fastest, like go-to meals that everyone in my house will eat. It's like scrambled eggs, avocado, and some salsa on tortillas. It's so simple. And, but just doing that process for my kids and for my family feels important. Um, You know, my daughter cracks the eggs and um, my son is just about big enough to hold a taco together and mm-hmm. it's really cute to watch him figure that out. Um, so yeah, two sides. Yeah. All right. That sounds, I mean, that sounds very, um, very, uh, a very honest answer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know that um, for me, it's also very important to involve the kids in the kitchen and sometimes it's definitely a challenge. You need to be ready to, to be patient and let them make mistakes so that they can learn. Definitely. And we only bring them into the kitchen when they're in the headspace to do it. You know, if it's been a long day and they're just melting down when they get home, it's not the time to ask them to, you know, wash the mushrooms. Exactly. Uh, (laughs) They have to be in the mood for it. So I never make it a chore or anything, but um, my daughter, who's almost four, is really starting to get into it. She gets really excited when she can help me with things. Yeah, this is, this is really great to be able to see them. And I strongly believe that there is an impact when they are, you know, raised and pick that those kind of habits <clears throat> at a very so young too. age. Yeah, I think so too. And, you know, I like to take her to the market and stuff as well. Just, you know, having her choose the produce that we're going to take home or, you know, look at the range of vegetables and pick out one that she's familiar with. And then also, you know, I'll have her pick out something she's never seen before, thinks she might want to taste. And, you know, most of the time she doesn't end up liking it on the first try and that's fine, but she still was there for the process of choosing it and, you know, and just talking about what, what we could do, what all the options are. And, um, I just feel like that's been a good, uh, a good activity for all of us. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's, as you said, it's really pretty common that they don't end up liking (laughs) on the first trial, but you need to keep trying. And most of the time they do end up liking it. So definitely. And she'll at least take a bite, you know, she's, Mm -hmm. um, 
I, I think because of that, she's at least willing to, even if not eat it all the way, she'll lick it or <laughs> take a little yeah. bite and, and try it out and see what she thinks. And I remember reading a great article when I was in college about how Italians talk about food and I don't know why it was about Italians, but, um, and one of the things they were saying was just kind of being very dispassionate about whether or not you like or don't like something. So everybody in your family from grandma to the parents down to the little kids are allowed to have opinions about which foods they do and don't like. Um, I don't really like raisins very much. And nobody would ever tell me that I have to eat raisins because uh-huh. I'm grown up and I get to decide. So when you give your kids that power as well to have an opinion that matters, they don't like spinach. Okay, well, great. But that doesn't mean you don't like anything green. You just don't like spinach. Choose something else. Um, so I feel like by offering a variety, we're, we're able to kind of talk about it in those terms. Yeah, absolutely. And you've already told us a little bit about it, but how do you share your food usually? Is it mostly with your family? I, friends and do family. you have other ways to share? How often? Um, well, I do sell food to people. So I, you know, it is literally my job to share food with people. And it's such an amazing thing. Um, one of my clients I've been cooking for, for a lot of years, I, you know, I, I cook meals and deliver the, to their family. She'll send me pictures of her son, like eating a pasta dish that I made or trying snap peas or, um, so I, you know, I've only met her son in person, maybe three or four times, but I have all these photos of him on my phone that she shared with me about him trying new dishes or, you know, taking leftovers in his lunch and her telling me how much he loved them. So oh, I have that's to- cool. Yeah, I have this really unique connection with with people I've never even, I don't know really personally. Um, and um, that's awesome. I, it's one of the things I love about my job. So I do share food with, with the world that way. Certainly by writing my recipes, which is, you know, part of my new business. I'm sharing the tools to create dishes with people all over the world. I have subscribers in um, Spain and Costa Rica and across the country. So oh, amazing. it's just amazing. Yeah. It's so cool that I'm able to, you know, in my little prep kitchen, write a recipe and then share my methods and food philosophy across the world. But then in a more literal sense, I share food with my family. We always sit down, the four of us always sit down to dinner together. Um, but also with my friends that when I really started getting into cooking, um, we would do different parties and events and um, always seems to be around a meal. And um, one of my close friends always jokes about the time that I, I think I was in culinary school and I was trying to make pasta for the first time and I bought a pasta machine and we started in the afternoon and we did not have pasta to eat until midnight because <laughs> it just, it was so much harder than we thought and it took forever. And I think by the end of it, we each got like four bites of pasta, but mm-hmm. that's, even though it wasn't the best meal we ever had, um, you know, we still joke about that. And that was probably, I don't know, that was probably 13, 14 years ago. Um, yeah. So, and one of my other favorites is, um, I am in a book club of women and we've been meeting for years and we do actually read the book and we do actually talk about the book, but it's also centered around food. So it's usually a brunch and whoever's hosting will make food and, um, and we'll all bring something to share. And it's just an awesome combination of, of two things that I love is, is feeding friends and, you know, reading books and, Um, it's probably one of my favorite food centered events that I do consistently. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. 
So now, what would you like to share with us about ends and stems? Can you maybe explain to our listeners who don't know what it is, how it works? Absolutely. Um, yeah, ends and stems is meal planning to reduce household food waste, as you said. So I came to this because um, the food waste movement was really gaining steam. It was something that always made sense to me logically, just as somebody trying to manage a food business. If you purchase food and then throw it away, you are not going to survive as a business. So I always knew it on that level. But as I started um, researching and reading more about the food anti-food waste movement, um, I realized that more food is wasted in our homes than in any other single area. So Grocery stores get a lot of the blame that, you know, people are imagining so much food is wasted in grocery stores. And that is a problem, but almost twice as much as food is wasted once we buy it and bring it home. And that just seems like um, a ridiculous problem, especially when you consider that um, people are, there are millions of people and kids that don't have enough food to eat and also the money that we're wasting And food in our landfills is one of the largest drivers of greenhouse gases affecting climate change. So putting all those pieces together and having cooked for people in their homes for so many years, I realized that um, I might just be the perfect person to help people change these habits. And as I, I interviewed thousand, almost a thousand different families to find out if they cared, if they had heard of this, and how I could help them. And it turned out that 83% of them said their biggest culinary struggle at home was actually deciding what to cook. So it wasn't the act of cooking. It wasn't feeling uncomfortable in the kitchen. It wasn't doing the dishes or growing, going grocery shopping. It was just this piece of planning that they didn't feel like they had time to do. And they certainly didn't feel like they had the knowledge of reducing food waste or you know, maximizing what they buy at the grocery store. Oh, wow. So I thought you know, I know about all these things and I could put together meal plans that maximize what you buy. So you're spending less time writing a grocery list. You're spending less time shopping because you're buying fewer things. You're saving money. And then if they follow along on my meal plans, which are three different recipes per week, I've written those recipes to dovetail together so that you use up all of the perishables you buy. Um, from week to week. So you might have some leftover rice or, you know, something that could sit on the shelf for a little while. But if I ask you to buy a bunch of basil for your, you know, curry dish on Monday, I'll make sure that you're making a basil pesto on Wednesday mm -hmm. to serve yeah. with your chicken so that you're using everything up. And the idea is that it's, um, it's just that planning piece for people. So it's inexpensive monthly subscription. Um, it's $12 a month. Um, or you can, you know, buy a year's worth and it goes down to only $9 a month. So it's, you'll definitely save more money than you spend to have access to my meal plans and recipes. And the idea is that it's a really, really low price point, but the value of having a professional chef plan your menus for you and think about them in this professional way where we use everything up and don't have any waste. It's kind of killing two birds with one stone. You save time. Um, and your uh, weeknight dinners are less stress. Oh, that's very helpful. And I'm, um, I'm very amazed at how many, like 83% of the people think that it's all about planning. That's their biggest trouble. I mean, that's, yeah. that's pretty amazing, that consensus. I definitely expected it to be for people to say they just didn't like cooking or they didn't like going to the grocery store. And um, 
you know, and the people I interviewed were, were families and that's sort of my main target market are, are families. Um, you know, people who know they're going to be cooking at home at least three or four times per week. So once that, you know, piece is, is done, the recipes are chosen for you. And I have different recipes depending on what your dietary needs are. So if you're a pescatarian or, you know, you like eating steak, I, I have recipes for both. So it's, it's aimed at, you know, targeting different, different dietary preferences. Um, never like a specific diet, but no, you know, but that's preferences. helpful. Yep. So you can fit in, you know, with wherever, what, however your family likes to eat. Yeah. And it's good to know about substitution because I feel a lot of people, especially in the Bay Area, are always wondering, you know, what's affecting their bodies, right. if it's gluten or if it's something else. So if you just want to give it a go and try a different diet for a couple of weeks, then you can, you can do that as well. I'm Definitely. sure that's very helpful. Dairy is a big one, even just cow dairy. So I kind of separate all mm -hmm. of those things out. Um, substitutions are also really just another way of feeling confident as you cook. As you learn, you can, you know, what you can and can't substitute and, you know, basically using it by what you have on hand rather than feeling like, you know, you've gotten halfway through a recipe and then you're missing an ingredient. Most often you don't have to run to the store to pick that item up. Um, you can use something that you have, which, you know, then is great because you don't have to leave to go to the store. You're not buying anything new and you're going to be using something you have. So it won't go to waste. So they're really yeah. all very, they're all tied up together. Um, and just thinking about these things in a, in a different way. Um, there are a lot of food waste experts out there and uh, most of them, when they get to the planning portion or, you know, the consumer food waste portion, they simply tell people to meal plan and grocery shop from a list. Mm -hmm. But um, as far as I've seen, there's almost no one else that's giving you the tools to meal plan without asking you to like learn the new skill. So yeah. I really wanted to fill that gap. And if you want a meal plan and grocery shop, I will do the work for you. Um, all you have to do is, is, you know, just follow along and, and participate. And I'm also building a community around it. So, you know, if you're concerned about food waste, but you're literal next door neighbor isn't, it can feel very isolating. You know, you don't want to sort of be the, the extreme person on the block who's not throwing anything away. But by having this community of people across the country, across the world, who are all paying attention and saying, we're going to reduce our food waste, like we see the, the positive benefits and the ripple effect that this has, you can feel that, you know, you're not alone and you get tips from community members. So we do that with a Facebook group and, um, you know, various ways of, of connecting and, and sharing stories of, of trying to reduce food waste. So, so how can they find you? The, the website is endsandstems.com nzanstems.com. Um, I'm on Instagram at nzanstems and um, my Facebook group is open to anybody and that's also just at nzanstems. Um, so you have to answer a couple questions but then I'll, I'll plop you into the group and you know we're here. I look at it every day and we're answering questions and you know supporting people as they go and yeah so it's all pretty much at nzanstems everywhere you can look. All righty <laughs> that's better and easier for people to find. That's right. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Alison. And I'm so happy that you were able to give so many tips throughout the interview to all of the families who are listening to us. Well, thank you so much. It was fun talking to you. Thank you, Alison. Have a great day. You too. Bye.
Thank you everyone for listening to the show today. You can find all the show notes on the website at whatgetsyoucooking.com. Next week, we'll get to hear about lunchboxes with Jessica Gurry, the founder of Tuco, the lunchbox community. Thanks again and see you next week.